All right. Um, this kids' time is going to take a little bit of logistics. We are acting out our lesson for today, so I might need some confirmation students if you're here and willing, people who are willing to read, to come on forward, and um, people in the congregation to bear with us as we do some a little logistical setting up. Um, so we do need some characters in our drama this morning. Um, Maggie, I already have you as the announcer, so here you are. There's your name tag, and you have a sheet. Um, Brian, would you help? We need some people to be in the fire. Shauna, would you be willing to lead our fire for a little while? Pastor Scott will uh, eventually come over to you. But we do, our, our fiery furnace is over here, um, and we have some flames. And so we just need a few people to begin out over here. I'm going to just put you guys into this. I'm sorry if this is a shocker, but this is this how we roll here at Shepherd of the Hills. Um, okay, some will join later. So you're in the fire at this point. Brian, could you start passing out some instruments? Now, I need three people. I need four people to, to read. Do I have any volunteers up here? Would you be willing to read? You're going to read? Okay, Jill is going to read. Thank you, Jill. I'm going to have you be the fortune teller. Um, there you are. Thank you. Oh, God, good volunteers. Awesome. Um, you do have a script, so hold. And then um, I also need a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you do have one line as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Any volunteers here? Fortune teller. Oh, you, yes, that's you. Abendigo, you are. Um, hold on, that's Brian's. Don't steal Brian's script. <laughs> that will really mess us up. Um, I need a Shadrach. Thank you, Shadrach. And I need a Meshach. Meshach. All right, Jake, winning this morning. Okay, and you can take your name tags and pass them along to other people. Um, fantastic. We need a couple people out there to have instruments. And I saw there were instruments over here. So, um, yes, thank you, Shepherd Song. Vince, we're ready to go. Um, let's see here. We do have, just for the sake of the band, your conductor has been trained, and it's Pastor Scott. So when he strikes up the band, you follow... Oh, not yet. you got to look to Pastor Scott. Hold on. Not yet. Um, Pastor Scott, could you take your place? He um, is a statue this morning. We gave him a really important role. Um, and Brian is our King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so hold on a second. Let's stand up. Everybody stand up, stand up, stand up. Um, our band needs to move a little bit this way. An announcer, you're all going to go this way. And we do have a handheld microphone that I'm going to put Abendigo in charge of for now. And Abendigo, if you could go by our announcer who has to speak first, that would be fantastic. Your script was right here. Yes, I have your script. All right. Fiery Furnace, you have flames. If you want to grab some flames, that would be fantastic. Get ready. Every time I talk about the fiery furnace, you need to wave your flames. All right. Places, everyone. Places. This has been completely unrehearsed. So, you could all just say a little prayer. Now's the moment. 
Our lesson for this morning is from Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden statue 90 feet high and 9 feet thick in the province of Babylon. He then ordered all the important leaders in the province, everybody who was anybody, to the dedication, dedication ceremony of the statue. Maggie has a line. Attention, everyone. Every race, color, and creed. Listen, when you hear the band strike up, all the trumpets and trombones, and the tubas and the, and the baritones, the drums and the cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who does not kneel and worship shall be sold immediately into the roaring furnace. Roaring furnace? Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, we have time. <laughs> the band started to play. The trumpets, trombones, the tubas, the baritones, the drums, and the cymbals, and everyone, every race, color, and creed fell to their knees and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Just then, some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. Long live the king! You gave strict orders, O king, that when the big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Come on, fire! Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Furious king Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. Follow me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God will serve, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. Okay. Good job. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O King. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fire up seven times hotter than usual. We need people to join the furnace, please. There's a lot more flames. I'll take one, please. All right, fantastic. Come on, kids. We need your participation here. Our fire needs to get seven times hotter. Woo, lots of, lots of fire. Um, 
He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual, and he ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up hand and feet and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Brian, maybe you could bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over. Um, because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot from the flames of the furnace, the furnace killed the man who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it while the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maggie's got a line. Oh, no. Go, King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> That's right, okay. But look, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely on a fire. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government, leaders, and king's counselors gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men. Not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothing, not even the smell of fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's give them a hand. Thank you to all the participants this morning. You did a fantastic job. Um, And I apologize about the short notice. You just never know when a story is just going to be so much better acted out. But this particular one, I mean, I don't think we can deny they did a great job. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. I have to admit, this was the thing I was most worried about today, was that. So, whew, we made it. It is an outrageous story. I mean, if you actually pay attention to the dimensions of the statue, a 90-foot-high statue by 9 feet wide, I mean, that is a toothpick of a statue. And while Pastor Scott, at 6 foot 4 and standing on a crate, did a pretty good job of trying to represent that, I still say we probably failed. I don't think we had the ladder or 90 feet high. This is the first time he's ever been told he was short. 
And while y'all did great with your instruments and everything, even that, I think, you know, there was probably a big rehearsal for that big band, and they had a collective song that they sang. In the original text, they play a trigon, which, like, who knows what that is? It's a tri- I think it's a triangular-shaped string instrument. Who could find that? But we didn't quite get there, but did a good job attempting The story we heard this morning is outrageous, over the top. It's even humorous and, dare I even say, a little bit fun. And that's how it's intended to be. It's intended to be a humorous tale told to people living in exile, told to people living under oppression. Because in the humor and in the fun of it, there is some truthfulness to it. Truthfulness about the way our world is, but also a story about hope and a story about who God is and how God comes in the messiness of it all. You might miss, actually, God's appearance in all of that, and I noticed that I, in fact, failed at having that fourth figure appear in the fire, if you noticed it too. Oops. But between getting the big band and the statue and the crazy king and the fiery furnace burning at seven times its normal temperature, somehow God might get lost in this story. But nevertheless, the promise is that the presence of God has been there all along. Now, the story might be outrageous and absurd enough on its own, but put it on the first week of Advent as we prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of the Christ child, and it seems even more ridiculous. Emily, I just want you to know that I was well aware of your musical selections for this morning and that none of this has to do with the fiery furnace, and I'm okay with that. I do have two members of my family in the band, and so I kept thinking, oh... Should I change it? How do I fit this better? This actually got me out of bed on Monday morning. What should I do? So I spent three days debating different texts and wondering if this could possibly fit. And then I thought, in a world where our daily news seems like a circus spectacular has come to town and our headlines are more and more outrageous every day, that maybe we should just stick with the story at hand. On Monday morning, as I was driving around, I listened as NPR reported a story out of Hong Kong regarding the singing of the Chinese national anthem. It has become a trend at soccer matches in Hong Kong that the crowd will stand or sit respectfully as the opposing team's national anthem is sung. But when the Chinese national anthem is sung, the one supposedly representing the people of Hong Kong, they loudly boo, they turn around in protest. It has become such a problem that people have been put in the stands in order to stop this from happening, although they are failing. And instead, laws are being made to say, if you do this, you will be arrested. One of the protesters says this, I don't think this song is worth respecting. You need to earn our respect, and you can't force people to respect you. And suddenly I thought about King Nebuchadnezzar's 90-foot-high statue and the command to bow before it or else, and the story didn't seem as outrageous as I initially thought. 
But it's not only in Hong Kong that I think this story rings true within our own country. We have our own displays of how this is actually alive and well today. It wasn't that long ago that protests and riots were being held about statues around the United States, and I'm pretty sure they're still going on, although getting a little less press at the moment. Some people set up chairs in order to protect the statues from being taken down, and other people went by the shadows of night and pulled them down themselves, not waiting for our political rulings to make a decision on the matter. As this national debate about statues continues, and there's so much passion generated around it, what I believe it is an opportunity for all of us to remember why. Why there is such passion on both sides. To maybe take a look at our deep history as a country where indeed we did have unjust laws existing that allowed some people to be protected, to have the rights of property, to the rights of protection, the right to vote, when other people didn't have rights at all. Other people were regarded as property. And King Nebuchadnezzar and his laws seem to be true. King Nebuchadnezzar's politics actually are probably not that different from our own. Do it my way or else. We have a nation where we seem to follow party lines no matter what. And one wonders if everyone is bowing down to something or someone. I at least am wondering if our own congressmen who declare they will be tough on crime will enforce their own laws within their own Senate and House of Representatives. Will they hold themselves to the same standard that they hold everyone else to? Hmm. This story doesn't seem outrageous at all, after all. And none of this is new news. We know this. We talk about it too often. But knowing all of this, I believe that the central question that we are invited to ask, not just on Sundays but every day, is that knowing that our world is messy and corrupt and that more often than not power is unjust, then who do we look to as people of faith? How do we find our center? How do we know what to do and who to follow. King Nebuchadnezzar looked to himself. I mean, he made a statue. He was the authority. He was the one who got to decide right from wrong, who people could worship and who didn't. But he had nothing to hold him, no standard to follow, and he flipped-flopped like a bag in the wind. Worship me or else. Worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or else. And in the end, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't have anything really solid to stand on. No one to look to. No one to save him. But it was his question, actually, that stopped me in my tracks this week. When he poses this question, Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? He has just commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to sit down and to bow down and worship. And then he says, who is the God who can rescue you? Our music this morning actually answers that question. Thank you, Emily. At the end of our worship service, we will sing these words. Jesus, Jesus, oh, what a wonderful child. Jesus, sweet Jesus, oh, holy, meek, and mild. Our music this morning reminds us of the God 
who King Nebuchadnezzar didn't see and who we know rescues us. And yes, indeed, we actually might sing that song with a big band and with vibrant voices, but we are not commanded to bow down or else. We are not commanded to worship, but instead we are invited to follow Jesus, not because we have to, not because the law says we must, but because we choose to. And when we listen to this story and recognize that King Nebuchadnezzar is not outrageous at all, what we recognize instead is that our God is outrageous. Outrageous enough to enter our world of sin, our world where power, corruption, and greed rule the day, and to come quietly and humbly and live among us. He comes and is born not begging for statues to be made in his honor, although they will be, And he comes not asking for people to worship him, although we will, but instead humbly and lovingly showing a different way, a different way to live, a different way to lead, a different way to be saved. Jesus doesn't save us with power and riches and a strong army and better laws. He saves us by standing with us, just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus comes and stands not with political powers and unjust laws, but instead the people who are living in exile, people who are oppressed and persecuted, ordinary people who are just trying their best to follow God, to be people of faith, and to worship quietly and yet faithfully. And Jesus stands with them and us in that, not so that we can win and be right about whose God is the best, Not so that we can condemn other people who don't worship the same God we do and tear them limb for limb or evoke the fires of hell for anyone who doesn't follow our God. But instead, Jesus stands with us so that everybody can live in freedom and nobody lives in fear. That everybody has the right to worship their own God in their own way as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Jesus, indeed, will enter the fiery furnaces of our world over and over again to tear down the false statues and put to death injustices. So, indeed, the outrageous story is not about a statue. It's about a manger and a God who comes to save. Amen. Amen.